Hello and welcome to the Nobody Asked Our Opinion podcast, where uh, a podcast where two yellow liver lily belly land lovers talk about pop sh- culture shit. This land lover is JJ. This land lover is Joanna. <laughs> that was the journey. I'm glad that you came with me on that journey because that was <laughs> from my ass. I was going to say, that was very uh of you for that <laughs> intro. <laughs> it's very Dr. Bitchcraft. <laughs> Katya. <laughs> Katya. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Um, Welcome back. I'm back, y'all, and I have power now. Yay. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I was like, I already forgot why you were on last week, and then you were like, I have power now. I was like, that's it. You had no power. Um, I literally, okay. I had texted you. Um, I had, I think I had texted you, and then I got a text back from Shane, like, ten minutes later going, so we don't have power. And I was like, and then you responded about five minutes after that going, I don't, we don't have power, so I don't know what we're going to do yet. And I was like, <laughs> Cool. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, um, we eventually had to, like, we eventually just, like, went to a, a hotel and stayed for the night just so that we can, like, charge phones and, uh, you know, actually have a, heat. a shower and heat and things like that. And she had to do work, and I just managed to reschedule my students for that day because I wasn't sure what the problem what the you know prospect of getting power back was and we ended up having power i think mid next the next day middle of wednesday or so yeah it was late though it was like it was kind of like all of a sudden it was like i don't know if we're gonna have power today or not and then all of a sudden i got a text i was like oh yep nope we got power yeah so that was a fun ride i will also say that um think Thank the Lord that we have renter's insurance because um, renter's insurance uh, under our policy was able to cover any food spoilage. So my insurance company gave us 300 bucks for groceries that went bad. Oh, woo, go insurance. Yeah. Woot, woot. So I was like, I didn't even know that was a thing that they did. So I was like, oh, awesome. Cool. That makes this, this whole process less stressful. That's... That does make it less stressful because, holy crap, I would have hated life. Well, it didn't help that we, like, just went grocery shopping, like, literally the day or two before. And then, like, oh, now it's all just going to go bad. You're like, well, shit. (laughs) Well, okay, then. But I have powers. I have interwebs now. So uh, I'm back into the the world of the plugged in. Um, but, um, we may both be plugged back into the world, but guess what? We didn't have any news because you know what? Fuck the news this week. It's Christmas. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it, like my newsfeed is inundated with like, uh, holiday things or like, you know, fun things to do for the holidays. And I know you said that like your newsfeed was like just Spider-Man creamed all over your, your newsfeed. Oh, yeah. No, Spider-Man was like, hey, remember me? I had a fucking big-ass movie this week. And I was like, yeah, I did. I I was aware because we fucking saw it. Um, 
and it was wonderful. So you know what we're going to do instead of talking about the news, because like I said, news can go fuck off this week. Um, we're going to talk about Sp- Spider-Man. So um, this is the one where we spoil the fuck out of Spider-Man. So um, I would give us about 30 minutes of us rambling about Spider-Man and really just jumping into all of the spoilers and talking about our opinions they may be controversial yet brave they may just be like fuck yeah who knows you'll find out or you won't if you haven't seen the movie yet if you haven't seen it don't listen to us talk about it because i don't want to ruin it for you it's a really good movie and there's lots of things that are surprising so um a spoiler effect spoiler alert in effect and three two one oh let's talk about this movie um I overall really enjoyed the movie and not only did I enjoy it, I went back and I saw it on Monday. Yep. I went Monday and I saw it again because I needed to make sure if I really liked it or not, if I was just either caught up with nostalgia or if I was just caught up with, uh, a, uh, it was also a lot of me processing the movie whilst watching the movie because there has been a lot of leaks and things thrown out there. Like this could have like, are are Toby and Andrew going to be in this movie? Is Miles Morales going to be in this movie? Somebody's probably going to die. Is it going to be Happy? Is it going to be May? Is it going to be Ned? Is it going to be MJ? Is one of the Spider-Mans going to die? Are there going to be Spider-Man? Is Spider-Man even in this movie? And so there's a lot of me kind of going <sighs> the entire time, all while my eye, my face was like moist from like feeling things. Um, so I watched it again and (laughs) (laughs) moist. Um, so all that to say, I saw it again and I cried even harder the second time. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but, um, I guess let's, uh, what are your initial thoughts before we just start saying everything that's happened in this movie? Well, I will go on record and saying that my, my thoughts on the movie are, Definitely in the minority, because I did not have as much fun as you did during this movie, and I'm not sure, I I haven't seen it again, and I'm not sure if it's just, uh, like, just me not processing the movie fully or being able to, maybe a, a, a second viewing might change it. I haven't had a chance to see it again yet, but, um... Yeah, I didn't enjoy this as much as I've enjoyed the other two Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. I found the first half of the movie quite a slog. I was honestly quite bored for the first hour. And the only parts that got good were when the Spider-Verse... Opens up. Basically opens up and like all of the nostalgia happens and um, the parts that like... The parts that were good were the parts that I think the the producers of this movie and the writers of this movie were like, people of this, like, this type of person will enjoy this. Like, I was the fan being serviced. And, I, and the parts that I was being serviced, I enjoyed. <laughs> but <laughs> the, Spider-Man serviced, deal. Absolutely. Um, uh, but I didn't in, super enjoy the first half. I'm like thinking as I'm thinking kind of over it, I'm like, I don't know if I buy the premise of the movie 
I don't know if if it's because like I'm not convinced that a, a somebody like a Doctor Strange would just be like, yeah, sure, 15 year old kid, let me cast this dangerous spell that could infect that could affect you know uncount countless individuals and cause rips in the time space continuum. Uh, but sure, yeah, I'll do that because you were inconvenienced with your um, secret identity being spoiled to the to the whole city. Sure, I guess I can do that. Like, I'm not super convinced that that that, that a Doctor Strange would even allow that to happen. Okay, it I feels really I it feels really kind of like a cop out for for me. I wholeheartedly disagree, and this is why. Upon seeing it a second time, I really I like. I thought that the first half of the movie, or at least the first hour of the movie, I don't think it's slogged. I do think that they wrap up this whole your secret identity was revealed and now we have, um, and now we've, we've solved that problem because um, <laughs> we're in spoiler talk, but spoilers, um, Matt Murdock, played by Charlie Cox, shows up as uh, Peter Parker's lawyer. He's only in one scene and I'm okay that he's only in one scene, but he kind of just sits down and he goes, I'm a really good lawyer and I solved all your problems legally. So you don't have to worry about that anymore. And I feel like we didn't get enough stakes for that necessarily, but we also have to remember that Peter at this point is still only 16, 17 years old and that for him, his friends not getting into college because of him is like an end of the world tragedy. But it's not also just like, we also have to remember that the Spider-Man, yes, his identity has been revealed, but it's not just to the, you know, the like New York City. It's not just even the state of New York. It is on a global scale that everybody in the world now knows who Spider-Man is. And so it's not like he can't go anywhere and be safe as far as people not knowing who he is. And so that is a huge problem that I don't think was really explored enough to really amp up the stakes. But I think that Doctor Strange was within, I think still within character of being this character who, especially after the events of Infinity War and coming back at Endgame and really understanding who these people are that he's working with, I think um, having this more compassion that we didn't necessarily see in the Doctor Strange movie, because he initially, he's like, what the fuck, kid? Like, really? Like, I'm sorry you didn't get into college. I can't do anything about it. And, but he's like, no, no, no. I don't want it for me. I want it for my friends so they can live a good life. And really, it wasn't this, I'm going to shatter the space-time continuum kind of spell. It was a dangerous spell, but they said that they've used it multiple times, and it's been fine. But it's because Peter is this young, naive kid who wants his cake and eat it too, that fucks it up. And I don't think Doctor Strange was prepared for Peter Parker to be like, oh, but wait, oh, but wait, oh, but wait, oh, but wait. And that's what fucks up everything. Because he immediately, as soon as shit goes down, he's like, you motherfucker, I can't believe I let you convince me to do this. Because, like, how dare I have compassion and a heart? Um, this is what happens, is the world gets fucked up. So I think it's still within character. And I think that it's still within... Uh, reason and I think that having this slower paced beginning of a film allows everything to still feel so grounded so when like the craziness happens we're not sitting at an 11 the whole time and I think that the movie does a good job with that but I do I do think though that they could have done something more with the uh beyond just everybody being interrogated and then it's like okay 
Um, children, all of your problems are fine. Um, Happy's the only one who has legal problems still. Like, we could have dealt with more of that. And, lived and in beyond that, that we didn't really see anything come out of Happy's uh, legal troubles, too. Which could be just, you know, they're waiting for that to maybe go on, spill over into, like, a Disney Plus series or something like that. Or be addressed in a different movie in some shape or form. But, yeah, yeah. Um, I think we are going to see the aftermaths of that in, like, an Armor Wars which I'm fine with. And I, we did see a little bit of it because we did get to see the fact that like Peter's suit is disconnected from the Stark technology. We see that the Stark warehouses and everything started getting pulled and audited and yanked apart. So the whole Stark empire is crumbling because of this legal trouble that happy is in right now. And I we think see the we, starts of it for sure. Yeah. And I think that that's a good jumping off point as far as like, we're going to explore more of this. And then I think though, when we get into the second and then third acts of the film, we have this greatness of, you know, okay, we meet all of these villains. And um, first off, Willem Dafoe is brilliant in this movie. Yeah. I really like the fact that they were able to explore the, the, uh, like the dual personality was kind of battling within Will, um, Norman Osborn's, uh, Osborn's character. I think that was really better explored in this film than it was even in the first film that he was in. I no, think I... it was done. That was, I think that was, Will Defoe did not have to go this hard in this movie, but he did, and we appreciate <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and I think that he was even more sinister in this movie than he was in the Raimi trilogy, like in the Raimi films, like there's like, cause you're like, mm, Jamie Foxx is like Electro is like, you're just kind of a bad man right now, but we'll like, but it's not like evil. He's just, he's selfish. And you had, um, you know, all of these other characters who were either, you know, going from like a selfish point of view or were so like messed up mentally from like these, extreme like outer things like you know you had dr connors who became lizard and he's messed up because of the chemicals that were inside his body but again never really like evil just kind of like a little menacing um we don't spend that a lot enough time with dr connors really in this movie like you're kind of like oh yeah you're there um yeah it does feel like that they kind of like really didn't that's i mean that's the trouble with having so many like villain characters to go to deal with it's kind of the same the same kind of um uh, problem that sam raimi's spider-man 3 had was that they tried to toss in so many so many villains but we did ended up caring about none of them and in this case we they put more care into um the green goblin and even alfred molina's character um but really didn't I didn't really feel a payoff with the Sandman. I didn't really feel a payoff for the the Lizard Man, especially once they once they've you know because second the last act of the film is all uh, is you know Spider Man uh, the Spider Man three uh, you know cure all the all the bad guys and shove them back in their perspective time uh, back uh, in their universes lines. yeah and so like it it felt. Like Alfred Molina's character's arc and uh, Willem Dafoe's character's arc felt more complete than the other three. Um, 
I would is, say I, mean, yeah. I, I would say that Jamie Foxx's character came, fell like a little bit more in the middle. I think we could have done a little bit more with him. And honestly, we didn't need we didn't need Sandman in this. I think that we could have we could have fleshed out a little we bit. We barely more. had we barely had Lizard Man in this. Well, I mean, Lizard we could have easily gone away too. Well, because uh, well, we couldn't have like my thought process is that if we got rid of Lizard and we got rid of Sandman, we only would have had one Andrew Garfield villain in here. And so, um, what we could have done is just brought in, uh, like, not brought in Sandman and had just brought in Lizard, and we could have developed Lizard and Electro a little bit more. Or we could have gotten rid of Lizard and we could have gotten rid of Sandman and just put more effort into developing Jamie Foxx's Electro a little bit more and just been fuck it. Because really, Doc Ock didn't stay a villain for very long. So we could have had two villains to really focus on, one reformed villain to hang out with and then, um, you know, call it a day. Yeah. And I I feel like that we could have spent more time even with Alpha Millionaire's character post being cured like we see him get cured and then he kind of goes away for a while until the very end um, yeah um i was okay with like us panning away from it just so we can get more because when we leave uh alfred molina's character we are given more willem defoe and that's when we get you know aunt may dies and that's where we had to focus on okay that's when we bring in the other two spider-man and this is how we develop so i was fine with the detour we took from alfred molina and because for him to show back up and for you to for him to have that moment of you go oh my god did the chip break again for even a slight minute, even though it doesn't completely believable, but for that moment to happen and then for him to be like, nope, um, you know, sorry, Electro, I, um, you know, you're thwarted now. I think that that had a better payoff than if we had spent more time with him because it was long enough I to be like, oh, yeah, you're in this movie again. I would have liked to see Alfred Molina even like interact with the villains that are still there, like have have him kind of. Hey, I'm a reform. I'm just. I wanted to kill Spider Man as much as you guys did, but you know, face the facts. Like this, this is happening, and you know, it would be interesting to kind of get that that perspective because we didn't really, we haven't really, like, we don't really get that perspective in this movie at all. Like this form reformed villain character, kind of realizing the error in his ways, and it'd be interesting to see how that pairs off with the characters who are still within in that kind of mindset. Um, well, but it would have been for not because there wasn't any way to reform these characters as they were. They needed the the scientific way to turn them. So it wouldn't. I wasn't be- saying that Alfred was going to turn them. I was just saying it'd be interesting to see them him interact with them and see the different perspectives from a former a former villain at the you know trying to trying to have a conversation or you know have a moment with a villain who's currently trying to you know kill spider-man at the same time like i think that would be that was that might have been uh a a, something that could have been interesting to add for alfred molina's character because we don't see a whole lot of him besides the you know him getting cured and then he shows up at the end which are great moments i'm just saying i would like to see more of it more of him I mean, I always want more Alfred Molina on my screen. And I think, though, oh, the sure. only way we would have really gotten that is if you axed a couple of the villains so we could have more time with them. But Absolutely. Uh, mo- I mean, that's the as- same with Sam, the Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 3. It's too much. 
it's trying to find that balance between all the all the things that you're trying to do and make everything seem to pay off and ultimately oh, yeah. like in order for that to happen you have to kind of things need to be uh edit, pared down i i mean yes but i also think it's really harsh to compare this movie to sam Ra- raimi's spider-man 3 because sam raimi's spider-man 3 was a really bad movie well and these are both was- third these are both third entries in a spider-man trilogy this is the d- most direct comparison you can make yeah, but you're saying that they both suffer from the same problems, which I think that there is a. I said light. similar. I didn't say same. I said they both suffer from the that the trying to balance too many villains, and it's true. There are five. How many five villains in this movie compared to the three? No, and again though, I'm just saying though that to say that you know to to utter that in the same sentence even though i understand where you're coming from is still trying is still putting a stain on this film that i don't think it needs i think that it did suffer a little bit from having uh, not having enough time to focus on all the characters that they have but not in the way that sam raimi's spider-man 3 did because spider-man 3 also had a lot of writing problems also had in the fact that like you completely sidelined characters for like 45 minutes and then you're like oh yeah i'm here again and in a way that like wasn't impactful to the story and i don't think I this mean, movie did that into that, that with alfred molina not, not to, to the not, same extent but not but to the did. detriment of the character like you did with the venom i would say so i would want to see more of that i i didn't say that there wasn't a lacking of wanting to see it but i don't think it was a detriment to the character that's what i'm saying i'm saying i know and i'm character. saying that i don't agree with you yeah, no, I I think from I think from as far as I think the ultimately I think that the I don't think that we needed to see revisit um, either Lizard Man or or Sandman. I think that they could have fleshed out Jamie Foxx's character a little bit more, um, but. I mean, of the of the what five villains, they I think, but between Willem Dafoe's uh, like character, Willem Dafoe's portrayal and Alfred Molina's portrayal, like it's kind of it's going to be hard to have so many, so many other like like per, so many other like fully fleshed out characters and not make this movie like 10, 10 hours long. Well, no, exactly. And I think that the, the other, the, the presence of the other two characters were fan service things that again, like I agree that we could have taken two of the characters out and it would have been fine. Um, and that was a little bit of fan service thing for you to be like, Oh yeah, I remember this character. Oh yeah. I remember this character. I do think the moments that they were on screen and contributing to the storyline, I thought they did fine, but they didn't necessarily need to be there. I do think that, um, we, I think objectively though, this was still a good movie. I think that it was overall well paced. I think it, ta- it managed to still be surprising without, um, despite the fact that there was so many rumors and leaks and talks about this movie, I think that it was well acted by everybody involved. I think that Andrew Garfield um, was so wonderfully likable and delightful. 
I think that Toby Maguire was able able to come in as like the dad of the group was lovely. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think that um the ending of the film was a great way to we what we did with these movies I think is that of the trilogy and I think why I think that this film is so brilliant in the way that it was done is that Spider-Man 3 or this Spider-Man this third installment uh third installment of the No Way Home or of the Home series No Way Home is what we traditionally see in a first Spider-Man movie we see, you know, the tragedy that sets forth the, 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 your hero into becoming the hero that they are and facing all of the adversity and the problems and stuff to become this hero. And we didn't get any of that in the first two movies. They started out very lighthearted. Um, you know, Peter Parker is just a teenager trying to go, you know, go to homecoming and is trying to... Um, fights some villains and has to do things on his own kind of for the first time, but still has somebody there looking over him. And then you have in the next one, he loses them. He doesn't have that mentor anymore, but he still very much has a uh, mentor figure to kind of look towards, but gets betrayed. Um, and then in this one, the one person who he's always been able to depend on is murdered in front of him and he has to, he almost goes down this super dark path and has people pull him back but is it but then has to reset and go out on his own for the first time ever with no support system which is usually how spider-man starts is with nobody knowing who he is and i think that that's a wonderful way to restart and to re-put spider-man back out into the world as having nobody that he can really rely on and i think that that's a wonderful way to go about it and I think that all of the beats for us to get there was done very well. Yeah, I think as a trilogy, the trilogy works really well. And like you said, it really does give us this full like, or, or, or superhero origin story. Where, I mean, because we, we officially see Tom Holland's Spider-Man become truly Spider-Man in, this set, in the fullest sense. Because he finally, he finally experiences a huge tragedy the death of Aunt May, and you know, and finally gets the line, the great power, great responsibility line, and so like it, it, this is the moment we officially see him graduate into his superhero persona, and I think it's a really interesting, really cool way that that, that that's how they like cap off the trilogy. So it's like his, we have uh, like the first this the first three movies as a set of. Um, like just setting setting the Tom Holland Spider Man origin story and giving that a, a fully flushed out uh, like saga compared to like only spending one movie. Although Sam Raimi's first movie was very very good, um, you know, could you imagine him Sam if Sam Raimi treated the Spider Man his Spider Man in a similar way and had this like overflowing arc of uh, you know him getting, you know, working towards uh, the uh, the mantle of Spider-Man in a, in a similar way. It'd be it'd be way different, and I think that's really cool what they do with the Tom Holland Spider-Man trilogy is to have that like fully fleshed out origin story happen, and then from this moment on, I think I even re- read reports that the they're trying to do a, a second trilogy 
of him just being, you know, we're, we're going to see more like classic Spider-Man villains and things like that coming out and seeing him being Spider-Man and basically, like you said, with no real mentor because he doesn't really have, excuse me, a Stark figure. Um, uh, happy is probably, he's not, probably not going to see Happy very much because he's going to be dealing with the, the false Stark Empire. Well, Happy um, doesn't know who he is. That's the thing. Nobody knows who he is anymore. That's true. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So they, they, he so, met like, Happy at the alone, graveyard. Sure. And yeah, he doesn't know, like nobody knows, he doesn't know anybody. He doesn't have the Stark technology. I think that it was wonderful to see him in that classic bright blue and red Spider-Man outfit that we haven't seen him in. Um, that, you know, homemade with a sewing machine. Um, I think that that was so wonderful. And I think that for him to show, like it shows him finally hitting adulthood in the sense that he's also walking into a CD New York apartment being like, I live here now. Um, I think that it was really great of like to see him, you know, go in there to be like, okay, I'm going to go into this coffee shop. I'm going to tell MJ that, you know, try to explain to her as best I can what happened and we're going to try to get our relationship back in order again because I'm going to be there and then he sees his friends being happy they got into MIT they're going to be you know you know superstars in the science world and he's like I can't fuck that up for them I I need to remove myself from this equation so they can live their best lives because I can't be the reason why these people get hurt anymore and I think that shows such tremendous growth that we haven't seen from our Tom Holland Peter Parker yet and I think that that was just a wonderful way to cap that off and show it because I was really afraid that they were going to have like one of those like moments where all of a sudden she's like wait peter and i'm like no don't ruin it no like we need the tragedy we need the sadness to keep going for to conclude this and i think that it was done so well and i think that um the way they handled aunt may's death was wonderful um upon second viewing because the first time i did say to you guys that i hated the the fact that may had the with great power there must come great uh, responsibility line seeing it again I was like, oh, no, this hits just right. This was really well done because I was sobbing. I'm sitting there in the movie theater just crying. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it is. It, 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 I think the, uh, I mean, all, it, it, we, 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 got, uh, we sort of explored this into the Spider-Verse, too, where all the Spider-Men are telling them, like, telling each other, like, who they lost. Like, uh, yeah. We get that in this movie, too. Like, oh, um, uh, Gwen Stacy was my Aunt May. And. For uh, for Toby for Toby's Spider Man it was his uncle oh, Ben, ben and so, yeah and so like you know it, I think that's as a as a trilogy as a whole I think this really worked well to kind of give Tom Holland uh, a, a solid superhero origin like arc and I think honestly like of the three Spider Men I think that. I think Tom Holland is probably is the strongest, both as Peter Parker and as a Spider-Man. I will say that I wouldn't be I wouldn't be angry if they tried to do another Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, just because I forget how really good of a Spider-Man he was. Oh, in, in I this want film you really. I want again. To, I want a continuation of the storyline of him explaining to Peter that after Gwen died, he went into a rage and stopped pulling his punches. I want that movie. Why didn't we get that movie? Because that That's movie would have been That'd great. Be <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think we're 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 hitting a uh, 
a, a long time of us talking about this. So real quick, uh, post credit scenes. First post credit scene, it was all right. <laughs> I mean, uh, it was as a clever as the uh, oh, with the Eddie Brock. Yeah, yeah. We, it was a clever way to get Venom into the MCU. So we have a little piece of Venom. So I'm like, it's all right. It was kind of dumb. I didn't need it, but okay. That'll so that's gonna be a Spider-Man movie at some point. <laughs> we'll check First, back yeah. in with that piece of goo later. Um, mm-hmm. And then the the final. Um, oh yeah, if you didn't stay to the very very end of the credits, um, what are you doing, noob? Um, because how very dare you? How because very it was a really it was basically <laughs> a really good trailer for the the Doctor Ooh. Strange movie, and I mean trailer like that post credit scene was like three minutes long. It was mm-hmm. so good. Yeah, it was a full fledged trailer for sure. And now I can't wait till March. I can't wait till March. Did you want to real quick like maybe add uh, since we did all the Spider Mans before? Did you want to add No Way uh, No Way Home into the rankings? Oh, where I want to put it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't remember what my original rankings were because I, I'm sure they've shifted since we've last watched them. Well, then but we'll just stick it in now. Uh, but I'm gonna stick it in now. Um. Stick it in now, Joanna. Uh, uh. <laughs> oh yeah, we went golfing this weekend for uh, JJ's boyfriend's birthday and at mini golf. And every time one of us had a ball in the hole already and the other one put it in, we'd look at each other and go, ah. Uh. Our ball's touched. Uh. We do it. I do it every time and every time JJ laughed like it was the first time I made that joke and that's why we're friends. <laughs> um, but I would say I would solidly put this movie above both of the other Tom Holland movies. I think that it was such a good culmination of both of them for an ending of a trilogy. Um, I would put it up, um, obviously above Spider-Man 3 and Amazing Spider-Man 2 because those movies were garbage. Um, I would say... I would put this probably solidly, like comfortably at number three, if not higher. But as of right now, solidly at number three as my ranking with uh, obviously Into the Spider, like Into the Spider versus obviously still number one because that movie was badass. Mm-hmm. But where would you place it? Um, I'd keep Into the Spider Verse top. I'd put Sam Raimi's Spider Man 2 mm-hmm. very close to number uh, at number two. I really still like Far From Home. I mean, I'm Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> I mean, I, understood. Uh, I'd still, I keep that. I put that number three. I put Homecoming and then No Way Home. Okay. I'd still put um, Sam Raimi's. Hmm, I might, I might give it the same level as Sam Raimi's one, if not just slightly better than Sam Raimi's one. Yeah, and that was my, would, my thought process also. Yeah, and then I would put um, Andrew Garfield one over two and then Raimi three. Yeah, so like I think like because my number one is obviously into the Spider Verse. Number two, I agree. I think is Spider Man two. Um, I think like because I said like three or four. I want to say, uh, 
I want to say I would put, yeah, I think No Way Home's going to be, would be at three, followed closely by a uh, revolving top of, if I liked Amazing Spider-Man one or, no, I think it'd be Raimi Spider-Man one and then Amazing Spider-Man one. And then everything else is kind of just a crapshoot of which was like everything else. Well, no, no, the both Tom Holland ones would come next. And then the other ones are kind of just a crapshoot of which one is worse that day or not. (laughs) Because Amazing Spider-Man 2 and Raimi's Spider-Man 3 were both not good films. They are are films of which we do not speak. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, shall we move on to some Drag Race? Let's shall. Let's shall. So we're going to... We are going to do our Drag Race 20 as where JJ and I talk about Drag Race for 20 minutes and 20 minutes only because when left to our own devices, um, we talk about Drag Race for days, um, literal days. Um, if we didn't have to go to work and make livings, we would just talk about Drag Race and then stop only to watch Drag Race, but talk about it while watching it. And maybe pee. Only maybe because I would invest in adult diapers. I mean, no, 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 we would still continue. We have shouted through bathroom doors before. (laughs) What did Denali just do? (laughs) But, bitch, I was talking about why I think that. (laughs) (laughs) And here's why you're wrong. (laughs) But did you see that video of Trixie and Katya? (laughs) This is our life. Um, this is our life. Um, we don't apologize for it because you're here. Um, but so JJ's going to get a timer set up for 20 minutes. Uh, do you have the timer ready to go? Ready. And go. Okay, so Canada's Drag Race is just uh, crowned us a, a queen. Congrats to, spoiler alert, Isis Couture. Woo! I'm um, not going to lie, I'm I was... Com- I was going to say, I was really, really rooting for Pythia until that final episode. And I was like, oh, I think Isis just won it. I'm not mad at it. <laughs> oh, no, no. I had the same reaction. I was like, although as much as I would love to see a Pythia take away the crown, uh, Isis Couture really, uh, really solidified her, her, her standing as the, the, the current reigning queen in the North. Um, although... Brooklyn Heights would be like, you could be a duchess, you could be a countess. But you're, <laughs> Whatever you're, we agreed that Priyanka was, you're the new that. <laughs> you're the new that. Oh, can we just talk about Priyanka for a moment? Oh my god, that give up look. I One, I'm so happy that they're doing a give up look in Canada. <laughs> because, bitch, that was so good. That was like her finale, like her so winning look, cool. but like elevated to like the nth degree and then the arms moved <laughs> she looked like a goddess and i'm like that's that's not like fair. a literal hindu goddess so good so good like this bitch i can't stand her she's so good um i saw like on her uh i think on her instagram or something i can't but the arms were molded of her own arms. Of course they were. They they made molds of her arms and then she painted them so that they were actually just her arms. So she so like 
complete the whole look. It was just, it's all, it's all Priyanka. And I was like, God damn, that is fucking beautiful. It's so smart. Gorgeous, like, shade of red, too. Oh, it was uh, perfection. Perfection. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? Like, you know, whenever we get a chance to celebrate a queen's, like, heritage and ethnicity, that's, it's so cool to see that. Like, that's why I love, like, my top five drag drag race girls are all Asian queens because I because it's such a cool way that they inter- integrate their uh, their um, their ethnic background into their drag is so beautiful. I mean, fucking Juju in that dragon dress, mm-hmm. fuck right off. No, I agree. And no, and I think though what was great about this finale for Canada was that it's like all of the girls, like I feel like they had like a dress like your heritage for the finale eleganza because I feel like so many of them came out in these gorgeous dresses that represented who they were from what country they were. Like Kimora Moore in that beautiful beaded like African dress. Ugh. Ugh. And then Suki doll. Oh my god, yes. That was like, oh my god. And then also, um, it wasn't necessarily a cultural thing, but um what's her face? Oh my god, uh Stephanie? Stephanie could fuck right off with that finale look. Like who the fuck does she think she is, Courtney Act? Oh my god, yeah. Cool. I was like, Oh bitch, how dare you? How very how dare, dare you? How dare you? Absolutely. Yeah, I forget. I actually really enjoyed Stephanie Prince in, on her time on uh, on the show, and it. I honestly thought like all the girls coming back, they all like really redeemed. Like all their looks were spot on, fucking beautiful. Um, I'm trying to remember, uh, I think it's Cynthia Kiss. She like the way that she paints. Oh yeah. It's, I've never, it's like, I, I, I can never, I can never, like, fully prepare myself to see that transition, to see that transformation. I'm like, God, it's like, it's, it's truly, it's art. It's oh, yeah. Art. It's beautiful. She, her paint is gorgeous. Like, that, that's, it's not fair, is what it is. <laughs> Um, also, can we talk a minute about Pythia and her stupid uh, fucking Grecian statue pillar outfit? Because I'm like, what is this? I love it so much. Although I do wish it was like a reveal, like she could have been able to like walk out of it and all of a sudden had like a gown like billowed up in there for the for the lip sync. Because that would have been fierce. If she like walked the runway as a statue and then walked out and had like or like had like this like Grecian like gorgeous toga or something on underneath that she just like walked out of him and like I'm ready to lip sync now. Because I think that did hurt her for the final lip sync because she couldn't move. She couldn't move. And of the top three, I think Pythia, I think Isis and Kendall Gender are really strong performers. I feel like Pythia mm-hmm. is a good performer, but I don't think that like she didn't she didn't hold a candle to the, the performances yep. of her of her of her sisters. Like she's no. good, she's very good, but Kendall and I, Isis knows how to. 
command the stage. Kendall knows how to move her body. Oh yeah, no, I think Kendall's the best performer out of the three of them. Oh, for sure. Her her lip sync was phenomenal. Oh yeah, no, like it was so good. I think that Isis just managed to bring it in the face that much more. Which I think, and the fact that her track record was better than Kendall's, which was like what solidified her win. But if it oh, yeah. just and came down final... to that lip sync, it would have been Kendall's. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I I think I mean Isis Couture has been slaying the runway game this entire season, and we know that Kendall has had some moments which were questionable. Um, I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna say something controversial yet brave. Okay. I didn't. I did not live for Kendall's finale look. I thought the, uh, I'm I, to think. it was like very like Kardashian Mugler look. It was uh, with the wide structured hips. Right. And she had the Bantu knots and braids. Yeah. like I loved, I loved the hair. I loved her paint. I did not love the dress. I didn't love the color of the dress. And I did not love the structure of the hips. I understood why she did the structure of the hips. And I think that she could have executed them better because to me they looked like lumpy pads. And it was because they weren't structured properly. And so all I kept looking is going, God, that looks cheap. That looks bad. That doesn't look right. And if it was structured properly to really have the elegance it could have had that hourglass shape that she likes and had been structured obscenely larger to be like over-exaggerated to really emphasize these hips that she wanted to do because I think that that's a beautiful thing to do and I like that she was doing it to be like reclaiming the shape of her people. That was something that was um, ripped off from, you know, people of African descent that and not given credit back to. And I'm like, I get that. I love that. But what you did was garbage. <laughs> And that's just my opinion. (laughs) And you can follow Joanna at... (laughs) (laughs) I think that Kendall Gender is a fierce queen. I just think that look was was boo-boo and it could have been better if it was just... If it was structured better, it just needed, like, there was something about the underneath and it was wrinkly. Like, you could have ran a steamer over that to maybe even smooth it out and I wouldn't have cared as much. But this is the finale. You're walking the final runway to get a crown. And I'm sorry, but you should not get a crown with lumpy pads. Especially when you're sitting, when you're standing next to a literal Grecian god and a literal ice queen. Right, in a bridal, and also, oh, the fact that her la- Isis Couture's last look was a bridal gown, which is usually the last look on a fashion runway. That's the finale look on a, fi- like, during a fashion show. And the fact right. that her fashion show finish for co- the House of Couture was a bridal gown, but then, like, but, like, kinky with, like, the mouth guard thing that opens up her mouth. I'm like, oh, that's yeah. brilliant. It's so it like brilliant. Bridal, but edgy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it just God. Shows that, like, she... She, and she made all of her costumes. Yeah. Fully made everything she brought to the show. And it shows like how smart she was because she treated her run on the show like it was her runway show. And it's brilliant how like it, it, it's just like a stroke of genius to like, have that kind of forethought and to kind of plan out your looks in, in and like have that kind of story arc mimic that of like a, a of an actual like Milan runway show. Like that's brilliant. 
And she executed it very well. That fucking dress was bonkers. Uh, greed. Um, I'm going to shift gears a little bit because there are articles out now that has announced that the UK versus the world is coming for Drag Race. Oh, how interesting. So it's like, because uh, it's uh, the article that I'm looking at right now, it says, because I saw it somewhere and I forget where and why. But it says, RuPaul takes on, uh, takes All Stars International on RuPaul's Drag Race UK versus the world. So it's going to have RuPaul, Michelle Visage, Graham Norton, and Alan Carr um, as they search for a global superstar as all-star queens from around the world compete on RuPaul's, RuPaul's Drag Race UK versus the world. So why, for, why UK versus the world and not just like International Edition or something? Because they're doing it in the UK and that's probably how they can get it on BBC One. Or it could be because it says with the United Kingdom serving as the host for the first ever international all stars. So maybe like next year they'll hold it in like Taiwan. It'll be Taiwan versus the world. And then they'll like host it in Holland. It'll be Holland versus the world. So it'll be like where they have drag race and whoever's hosting it. It's that country versus the world. Because it just makes it seem like that work. The, the queens from that country are competing against queens from everywhere else. Well, it is going to be queens from that country. But I, mean, but I mean, like, as like, okay, we have Team UK and Team International. Let's see who, who wins. Is it going to be a UK queen or an international queen? That's what UK versus the world sounds like in my head. I mean, I agree, and I think that it's... I think that how they're trying to bill it because it's going to be like the Olympics of drag. So it's like you have like a host country and everything kind of surrounds like that host country, even though all countries compete. Um, so I think that that's what they're going for. Is it still dumb? Probably. It still should just be called international all stars and they just host it in a different country every year. But um, I'll take what I can get. Yeah. I just think the branding of that is weird. Like, I get what they're going for, with the whole, I guess, with the Olympic thing. But even then, the Olympics don't go, like, it's Beijing versus the world. I mean, I guess they're just highlighting the ho- the home whoever has home court advantage. Um, so, I don't know. It says that the new show will unite nine queens from global drag race seasons as they battle it out for the inaugural global drag race superstar title. Has, uh, have there been teasers about possible um there has I want to see let me see um I want to say I heard that bag of chips was going to be on there um cast okay here we go Pre-Falls Drag Race fandom. <laughs> Podcasting. Okay, rumored contestants. Bag of Chips, Blue Hydrangea, Cheryl Hole, Janie Jacquet, Jimbo, Jujubee. She can't get enough. <laughs> uh, Lemon, Monique Ooh. Hart. Okay. Oh, and Pangina Heels. 
Pangina oh, Heels. She was, the if, Thai... she was, if she was the co-host of the Thai season one and two of Thailand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I recognize the name. I never did get to see uh, Drag Race Thailand. I can. I don't know how. Where to get it? Is it? Is, I think is it season still on? season two. I think is still on Wow Presents. I don't think season one is, and I haven't been able to find season one anywhere else. Yeah, like what the hell? But interesting so this is the cast list that i remember seeing this is the rumored cast list but i feel like this is the consistent one that i've heard because i remember hearing that someone had like leaked bag of chipses uh i remember something like that um all of her looks as like somebody had leaked her looks like months ago so I'm like that's fucked up, but like I love I love all of these contestants, like a lot. Like, I'm kind of ex- I, I'm really excited to see Jamie Jackay. I thought she was I love her fierce. I love her so much. I mean, she would have won if Envy Peru hadn't slayed so hard. <laughs> for for real though, I mean, love Envy Peru and love what she's doing to, um, the, for Holland. Oh, uh, with uh, Fred's face. Oh yeah, no, she beats she beats Fred's face so nicely. Oh yeah. Even though every time I look at it, I'm like, yep, that's Envy's face. That is Envy's, Envy's face, face on Fred's yeah, face. Sure. <laughs> but yeah. it looks good. <laughs> Man, it looks good. And I'm excited to see Lemon too. I, I when you said that, I was like, oh, I can't, I'm kind of excited to see, to see what she's been up to. What um. And then obviously Jimbo. Everybody loves Jimbo. Jimbo's a fucking nut. <laughs> But Monique Hart, I love Monique Hart. I do love a good Monique Hart. Monique Hart is so. I one of my favorite uh, um, videos to watch is Monique Hart and Trixie put Nicole Byer in drag. Oh my god, that video is so funny. It's They're so, so funny, funny together. <laughs> I, I They're so silly. Um, I'm excited to see Pangina heels because I've seen some of her runway looks for like while she was hosting and I'm like, she's fierce. Yeah. And then and Juju B. I know, Juju cannot get away from keep herself <laughs> away from a drag competition. Well, Juju is determined to win. Although, like, even though she got kicked off really early on the uh the Queens of the Universe. universe um which made me sad but her little interview thing made me laugh because she was like what am i expecting i'm expecting to do really well and then to go home uh second or third (laughs) that is her mo (laughs) i mean consistently that's what she do um but maybe she's just waiting to win like the global the global one yes but I mean, I'm I'm here for this party. Yeah. So I'm Ooh, here never, for the party. That's fun. Have you speaking of Queens of the Universe, uh have you seen the latest the most recent episode? I think it was uh The Duets. The Duets. Jinzilla went home and Jinzilla was my favorite. I know. I love Gingzilla. And you know what I've done? Gingzilla has competed on a few different, like, competitions. So I've just watched, like, their, like, auditions for, like, America's Got Talent and uh, yeah, I think she was things on like America's that. Got Talent. Yeah. 
Um, I think she did it for both America's Got Talent and Britain's Got Talent. So I watched both of those auditions, and they're both great. And I love Ginge, and I follow her on Instagram now because I think she's fabulous, and I'm sad that she's gone. Yeah, for sure. I think, I don't know, it's tough because this week was duets, and the thing with duets is you don't, you want to blend the your voices together really seamlessly and it's kind of hard when the registers are so because he was she was paired with regina voce right yeah and regina voce lives in the fucking stratosphere yeah and it's real hard to kind of blend such a deep baritone with a with a really high soprano really well without it seeming like oh you're a baritone and that's a soprano like they're just kind of singing in their respective fields. There's no, it's hard to kind of blend those registers together without it seeming. It also awkward. didn't help. It didn't help that the, they were a little pitchy. Although I think it was Regina that was pitchy. Cause I usually, it blame, was Regina. It was I was going to say, I usually, I usually blame to do a lot. <laughs> yeah. I try. I usually typically just at, like when I sing, like I know, um, I know I get pitchy when I hit soprano notes and I just uh, automatically, if somebody's pitchy in like a group, I'm like, who's the soprano? Cause you were off. <laughs> it was definitely you that fucked up, not the alto. <laughs> but yeah, no, Regina, she was a little pitchy and I think that brought down their group completely mm-hmm. also. Although I'm not going to lie. The, um, oh my God, I think I even downloaded it. <laughs> One of the songs like slapped super hard. Damn that man, that first group. Yeah, with uh, uh, the in, uh, I can never pronounce her name because it's, it's I can never remember it. Um, but the the Hindu queen and uh, what was the other one? I don't even remember who sang it, but I was like obsessed, um, obsessed with it. Oh, like time's I don't. Up. Oh, okay. Well, I guess we'll stop talking about it. Um, but on that note. Um, let's take a break. Uh, we're back. <gasps> oh, you scared me. Hold on. Sorry. <laughs> Didn't expect me to sneak up on you like that. Um, you really did. Can't do that. My heart can only take so much. <laughs> boom, boom. Um, so let's talk about Hawkeye because... Um, what hot guy? I didn't see any hot guys. You like the hot guy? I like the hot guys. Um, oh, yeah, hot guys. But um, we'll talk a little bit about episode four because um, you weren't here last week uh, to talk about it. Because it was a really good episode. And then uh, because we got the appearance of Florence Pugh. Woo! We love her. <laughs> We're both sexually attracted to Florence Pugh. And we don't know what that says about us as humans. Oh, uh, yeah. At this point, I don't care anymore. Like, just Florence Pugh, if you're listening, I will turn for you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, also, yeah, no, Florence, love, Pugh, if, Florence Pugh, if you're listening, I'll turn for you. I, I, I'll turn for you. We'll both. We'll, we'll, oh. 
We'll both go into the. (laughs) We'll both do things that make us uncomfortable for you, and maybe you uncomfortable as well. (laughs) Or can we go and get drinks? Because that'd be cool too. Just be friends. Yeah, just breathe the same air that I'm breathing. That'd be kind of (laughs) cool. I mean, it's whatevs. Um, but let's talk about the episode. So this is a really fun episode, the episode four. I'm looking at your notes because I'm like, what happened on that episode? Yeah, I'm trying um, to review it too. I just like the fact that like it was just like Kate just like hung out with each other and was like he taught her how to like fling the quarter and like she like brought decorations and was like, hey, let's like celebrate Christmas because he's like clearly missing Christmas with his family. Because he has to clean up her bullshit. And so she's like, here, I'm going to try to liven things up and make it Christmassy. And it was super cute. It was. I really enjoyed their little Christmas, little Christmas hangout together because that was really sweet yeah. and fun. And um, I really love that we brought back the LARPers. Mm-hmm. The LARPers yeah. are my favorite character. Um, okay. And then I do love that we have a little bit of. Uh, uh clint's wife uh laura who is like i can never remember her name i i worked really hard to remember her name right then and there because i almost just called her linda cardellini again right (laughs) but laura is um not gonna lie a little sus at this point because i'm like what the fuck is going on with you laura what is your deal? Because you know a lot that I feel like you shouldn't know. Just like you should have like a, be a lot in the know because you and your husband have a great like healthy relationship and you share information and all that good stuff, which I love seeing. But I feel like there's something more to this that we don't know. I feel, Or like it could just be like... nothing and they're showing that superheroes can't have healthy relationships if they're open and honest with their spouses. I mean, I would love that message too because that's often the the kind of superhero trope is that superheroes can't have and lead normal lives and have healthy relationships. They must choose one or the other. So it'd be nice to kind of see like, oh, you can have your cake and eat it too. Um, I think there, it seems like that they almost like low-key work together. She's like, she's like, uh, she's the Ned to Clint's Spider-Man? Peter Parker. Yeah. He's like, she seems to be like the man in the chair who has, who does intel kind of things. Because like, I don't think a normal wife would have known the things about like the Avenger compound and the Rolex from that, like all that kind of information. That seems like real yeah, detailed and I think information that, from like a database that um, she has to like hack into or some shit. I think that we also have a little bit like because it was like, hold on, let me look into this and then calls back later and you're like, oh, I got all this information from my like my source. And you're like, how do you have a source? Like, what are you doing? I feel like we're going to find out she's like a former S.H.I.E.L.D. agent or something like that, like a retired S.H.I.E.L.D. agent or something. Maybe. Yeah, because she seems really like like she's like at par with with Clint on a lot of these like mission recon situations and you're like there's more to you than meets the eye absolutely (laughs) if that is even your real name (laughs) um but yeah so then um so episode four it ended with uh 
Kate and Clint breaking into, it turns out to be Maya's apartment, and they get attacked. They both get attacked, and then you're like, oh, one of them is Yelena, um, who, played by Florence Pugh. And Clint's like, oh, my God, somebody hired a Black Widow assassin. And so he's like, Kate, you need to leave now because I can't I can't deal with this. Yeah, shit just got real. I cannot babysit you and fend off a Black Widow assassin. You need to go. Absolutely. And then we get and that's kind of and that's kind of where we uh, where we spend most of the time in episode five is Kate kind of like, but I want to team up with you, Clint. <laughs> Come back. <laughs> Um, I do love how they showed the snap from Yelena's point of view mm-hmm. because it was instantaneous for them and we hadn't seen that yet. Like we kind of got the feeling it was like a quick thing, but it was like the way it happened was so well done to show it that way. It was so cool. Yeah, we kind of saw it in WandaVision, I think. But with, we didn't uh... see... We saw Monica come back, but we didn't see her get snapped Right, that's away. why I was like, yeah. we see a little bit of it. Because we, she reacted the same way. She's like, wait, what happened? I was just, my mom was just here. But we never see her actually like fade out and then come back. Yeah. No, and I thought and, that was really cool to see the whole transform. Yeah, the entire scene, I was, I couldn't help but it was like, oh, she's she's straight up beating up Dina Menzel. Like, <laughs> she's beating up Elsa. Like, what's going on? <laughs> For a split second, I was like, oh, what's up, Idina? What's going on? You're in the MCU now? Disney Disney was like, oh, we need you in all of our things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got another role for you. Just get, just stand here and get the shit beaten out of you. Just get the shit beat out of you. But no, it's not. But it wasn't. So. <laughs> um, but no, I really loved that moment. I really loved uh, uh, Kate Bishop's relationship to Yelena. Um, I yeah, think that uh, their interactions were really cool, even though it was like an interrogation, like you can still see kind of like this relationship forming. So um, obviously I want them to be best friends. I ship it. I think Loki, I think Loki Kate is a lesbian. I think she's gay for, for Florence. I think Kate is gay for Yelena. I'm not mad at that. I, I ship it so hard. <laughs> like, I think, because that whole, that whole interrogation scene was fraught with tension. You knew that Elena had the upper hand because she kept calling <clears throat> Kate Bishop. And Kate, she, she even points it out. She's like, is that, is the reason why you keep saying my full name is because you want to know that, you want me to know that you know a bunch about me. And then she just like rattles off her like fucking life story. She's like, okay, fine, I get it. <laughs> you got you know you've done your homework i get it um and i think that it's uh uh kind of an interesting uh elena's perspective is interesting because we never really got uh, this is the first time we're seeing post uh black widow movie uh elena's kind of um reaction to natasha's death and the fact that she's been hired to mm-hmm. kill the man who supposedly was responsible for her, her sister's death is because there's a great moment where um, Kate says something about like him being an Avenger, and you know she he 
you know, he deserves some, you know, some leeway because of that or something like that. And Elena's like, no, why does that, why is him being an Avenger automatically, like, expunge of his past? Why can't Avengers be held accountable? Yeah. And I think that's kind of an interesting kind of take with uh, uh, that perspective because that's, in, I love when superheroes are taken to task with their superhero duties and the effects of their superhero duties. So I would love seeing that kind of reverse, like, oh, hey, like, even though she's a little bit misguided, because I don't think she, it's unclear that if she knows truly what happened, she's, I think she's only been given the fact that her sister's dead because of this man. I don't think she understands, like, the full story behind what happened on... Uh, Volmir? Volmir. I almost called it Fenrir. that's different that's not right no that is also a harry potter character (sighs) oh he was a death leader yeah finir finir grayback (laughs) yeah they're fighting on a werewolf (laughs) yeah (laughs) i fucking can't um no, I don't. I agree. I don't think Yelena knows the full extent of what had happened there, but I think she has enough of an idea to think that she's riding the right horse. But I think that once she has a full conversation with Clint, which will probably happen at some point in the next episode, she'll be like, oh, maybe. fuck my life. Um, maybe you're not so bad. Um, can we talk about the fact that that Kingpin is in the MCU again? And I'm really happy. That is Vincent D'Onofrio. Mm-hmm. I love, I mean, I never did see the Daredevil um, uh, Netflix show, but I love Vincent D'Onofrio as a character actor. Like, anything that he has ever done has been, like, I cannot separate the man from the character. It's, he's always so good. And the fact that we do get Kingpin in this movie and um, at the same time we get... Murdoch cameoing in Spider-Man film. I, I'm, I, it I think all dropped the same week. Yeah, I think even Jonathan said, I don't think this is a coincidence that these things happened. Because I have no doubt that that, that uh, Disney was like, oh, we're going we're gonna to sync this moment with the release of this movie, and so this will all make sense in the universe. And I'm like, Touche, Feige, touche. No, I think that is really well done as far as like the timing of things, and it just shows how well Marvel plans out things. And um, Daddy Feige really knows what he's doing. And thank you. Yeah, um, gotta give it to, gotta give it to the writers that are locked up in some dungeon that crank all this shit out for the MCU because they're killing the game. They're killing the game. It's so good. I can't wait. Like, so, um, theories for the final episode. So, um, as far as, like, big theories, I don't have any big theories. I don't really care. I just want it to be magical and wonderful and for me to be happy by the time it hits the end and be excited for whatever is going to come next. I think, though, that we're going to see some Kingpin, but it's not going to be, like, we're not going to get any resolve with Kingpin. I think that Kingpin is going to get shoved off into Echo 
because I think that because uh, Maya's character is uh, as Echo, and so that that series has already been announced. So I think that's going to get shoved over into the same same world for a bit. That we're going to deal with her coming to terms with that and dealing with breaking away from kingpin i also think that we might get kingpin as a ground villain in future spider-man movies which would be really cool because that's where they reintroduced uh daredevil and daredevil and spider-man were partnered up a lot in the comic books and the cartoons and who did they fight a lot together kingpin so i think that I think that we have a really good start there. I think that the finale of this is going to really deal with um, who Eleanor Bishop really is and what happened with their life to get them to this point. And I think that um, it's going to be this big explosive like finale against the, the rest of the tracksuit mafia. And I want to find out what happened really to Kate's dad. Because I want to see a flashback because Brian Darcy James was robbed, <laughs> robbed of more screen time on my television, <laughs> and they better have a flashback or he better still be alive somewhere. Oh, that would be a gag if he was still actually alive. Because we never did see... We never saw a body. We saw a funeral. But they probably had a lot of funerals for a lot of bodies that were never recovered after the Battle of New York. Exactly. So I, it wouldn't be, it would be a gag if we find out that he's still alive. It would be so good. Because why would you hire an actor like Brian Darcy James to play five minutes in a television show? You could have gotten I mean, any up, up and coming actor to play five minutes in a television show. Maybe it's just a, a Disney to flex on like, oh, we can get, we can get this high caliber actor and only use him this much because i mean it'd be a flex but i i feel like like they could they have they have the opportunity to utilize him more and i would hate for them not to use it even if it's just flashbacks but if he's still alive that would make my heart sing um and then we should all end with the whole episode needs to end with whatever the final number from rogers the musical is And they can release that song on iTunes and Spotify as well. And make even more money. Because I've already downloaded the Save the City song. And I listen to it all the time. (laughs) Like, all the time. Like, I listen to it because my house and the movie theater we saw um, No Way Home at. Um... I was able to, I started it as I was leaving my driveway and it ended as I pulled into the parking lot and then I restarted it and I got to listen to it a half a more time to find parking. <laughs> Is that how you measure like like this time now? Like how often, how many times you can listen to this one track? <laughs> I mean, depending on how far I'm going. So like, yeah, my house to the movie theater. How many times do I need to listen to this one song? Because it's not a long song. But I listened to it, and it was great. Hysterical. Well, we'll see. It comes out, what, tomorrow? Um, let's see. It is Tuesday right now at 7.44 p.m. So at midnight, that episode will drop. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see. We'll see what happens in the conclusion of Hawkeye. I'm so excited. <laughs> so excited.
save the city so good because i could do this all day yep yep <laughs> um so hey jj did you watch the nanny i did Woo! I power i can watch the things and so you watched like quite a few episodes from what i can see because you watched um, a few episodes before the power went out <laughs> and because I saw them in your notes, so I was like, hey, JJ watched the nanny, but we're not going to talk about that because that's his bit. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I got to, uh, to the start of episode 13 this week. Um, so my question for was... you is, have Fran and Maxwell hooked up yet? No. It's nothing official has happened yet, um, but there have been several editions of Fuck Watch 2021, Fran Fine and Maxwell Sheffield edition. Okay. Um, there was there was the one episode in particular where Max's mom comes into town, and Fran and the mom don't get along. And so, like, at a f- and neither does Max and his mom get along. So in, like, a fit of, like, kind of juvenile uh, kind of rebellion, he, like, asks Fran to marry him right then and there just to be like, fuck you, mom. And, like, she, they, like, lay a huge kiss. Uh, he, like, dips her and kisses her. And I'm just like, oh, shit. Shit. This is probably not a good. This is pro- this is pretty problematic and probably uh uh like uh what's the word I'm looking for um manipulative yeah yeah pretty manipulative because he's toying with this poor woman who clearly has a crush on him and dangling this prospect of being married but under the false pretense of just getting back at my mom. And that's kind of why, and that's her feelings too. She's like, oh, you're, you don't, you're toying with my emotions to get back at your mom and that's not cool. Yeah. Um, but they, they, they like, they're, they like straight up kiss in, in front of the mom. They like, uh, there's so, so many sexual innuendo in this, in that episode. She'll, there's one moment where he has a, he has asked her to marry her, but he, decides like oh i have to like not i have to tell her it's not going to happen because i realize i'm not doing it for the right reasons um but she knows already that she's doing it for the wrong reasons and is obviously more intelligent emotionally to understand that like that's he's not actually going to want to marry me but i'm going to fuck with him anyways and so she like tries to be like extra lovey-dovey on him and there's a one one moment where she's um He's like, oh, I have to talk to you. And she's like, ooh, role play. You'll play the hot Broadway producer, and I'll be the nanny. And he's like, no, 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 no. We can't do that. Uh, uh, or something like that. And she's like, oh, uh, something to the effect of, like, if I, if you give me a raise, I'll give you one. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's dirty. That's dirty, dirty. And there was another, I think, towards the end of the episode where they finally, like, like talk about the situation and they understand like oh we can't actually do this um but she continues to mess with his mind because she gives him like a gift bag and it's like oh well then you could just return as a last favor return this to the store because this was what i was going to wear for our honeymoon 
and he opens the bag and it's just like he's like oh it's just it's just lip gloss and she just like smiles <laughs> and i'm like oh that's so dirty 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 but yeah they're they're i mean they're doubly down there's i think i had like an i think couple episodes later they have another i have another edition uh, entrance into the fuck watch 2021 um maxwell's a secret novel right he writes a secret novel and of course fran has gotten a hold of it um but uh she unbeknownst to him sends it to a bunch of publishers and he's like well don't i didn't want you to do that you're not I wouldn't want anybody to know that it exists yet. I'm not ready for the public to know. And she's like, well, give the public what they want. And uh, she was also, it's like this double entendre of like, she's talking about the book being released to the public as well as like their relationship. Yes. And so I was like, okay, okay. I see what you did there. That's really clever. They know what they're doing. (laughs) Yeah, they know what they're doing. Uh, we get a we get a, a hilarious moment with Yetta. I fucking love Yetta. She uh, Fran's like cousin or something uh, is throwing a bris. Um, uh, for those of who for those of you who don't know what a bris is, it's a Jewish uh, ceremony where uh, a, a newborn baby is circumcised, and so. Uh, there's usually, it's usually a celebration. There's usually like a big party or whatever. And um, Fran hires Brighton to film the bris. And during the bris, uh, the whole joke with the through the whole episode is that the <laughs> the baby is like really hairy. And so Grandma Yetta goes to goes to the bris and like runs into Fran and she's like, "Oh, Franny, uh, can you uh, tell that the?" She says something to the effect that, like, oh, I can't believe somebody brought their pet to the to a bris. That's unsanitary. And she points to, like, the, the baby carriage. And she's like, no, that, Yetta, that's the baby. <laughs> and, she's like, and she's like, oh, well, I shouldn't have fed it with that meatball off, off the floor then. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, Grandma Yetta, you're so fucking ridiculous. Oh, Yetta. Oh, Yetta. I still, I still want to grow up to be Yetta. It's a good life goal. Oh, for sure. I'd rock that blue eyeliner, that fluorescent blue eyeliner. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yeah. if you if you want, we next time I put you up in makeup, we'll give you the Grandma Yetta look. Grandma, Grandma Yetta paint. Because <laughs> Grandma Yetta is basically a drag queen. Oh, for sure. I mean, Fran is a drag queen. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. But yeah, so like, just continue to watch see if they, I'm about halfway through the third season I think or is this season three yeah so we'll see if uh, when once they finally consummate and I, I don't doubt it's not going to be until like season five but it's still we'll, we'll continue fuck watch 2021 into 2022 the nanny edition <laughs> and we shall see what happens um, but on that note um, let's take another break Oh my God! I cannot with the housing market right now, Joanna. 
Have I not told you about Capital Realty Center? Oh, the premier realty group that supported and succeeded throughout the California landscape? Now I remember. If that's what you're looking for, call Kathy Johnson at 916-606-0687 to win that next bid. That's Kathy Johnson with Capital Realty Center at 916-606-0687. License number 02021378. And we're back, 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 back again. Hello again. Again. How are you? Hi. Um, for things that were uh coming up into our world, um, How I Met Your Father, the spin-off series of How I Met Your Mother, is going to start airing on Hulu starting January eighteenth, and they have dropped their first trailer for it. Yeah, we get to see Hillary Duff is taking the titular character of who's the, the, the person who's about to meet their father. And it is, from my understanding, voiced over by Kim Cattrall. It is. And I think we actually, and I think we actually see Kim Cattrall. So like initially, like in how I met your mother, you just heard Bob Saget's voice, but we never saw Bob Saget. I think they're doubling down on the fact that like, Oh no, no adult, like future, Hillary Duff is really just Kim Cattrall. Because I want to say I saw her in the trailer and I'm like, yeah. The ironic I'm here for that. I, I, I never watched the original series. The only reason why I watched this trailer is because it came up in an article saying that this trailer was not safe for work. <laughs> and you're like, huh? Click. And I'm like, what the fuck are they doing on How I Met Your Father to make it not safe for work? There's nothing that Nazi for about this trailer. Right, it is fine. It's a sitcom. It is completely fine. But I'm like, that is some bullshit clickbait. <laughs> <laughs> How very dare you, internet. How very um, dare you, internet. <laughs> but I'll check it out because I enjoyed How I Met Your Mother. Um, besides the, the end of the season, which nobody talks about anymore because it was bad. But otherwise, like, it was a fun journey. I'm excited to see if this journey is just as fun. Or if it's just bad. Because it can go either way. So we'll see. Um, But um, we don't have anything else written on here. But things I remembered that I knew would come back to me later. The Book of Boba Fett starts next week. That's right. I did see that. Like, because we talked about the trailer and we're really excited to watch the, uh, the Book of Boba Fett to see if uh, the Godfather in space works. <laughs> <laughs> right. it's a gangster movie in space so done like episodically and I'm excited for it so um, maybe that'll be what we cover while we wait for more Marvel shit because we suck on the teat of Disney apparently <laughs> nom 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 um, unless another superhero show comes out that uh, people want us to cover instead because um, yeah, I don't so inundated with your with your requests, right? Um, because I don't think we have in a new Marvel show coming out right away. Like I want to say we have to wait a bit. Um, but I don't doubt that. Yeah, I'll do some research and we'll find out. If not, uh, Book of Boba Fett starts on the 29th, so next week we'll talk about nothing, and we'll start it in the new year. Boop, boop. 
Um, and then the other thing I was going to say is that I was going to see Cyrano de Bergerac this week. I was going to watch the Cyrano movie starring Peter Dinklage. And um, it's not in theaters right now because it got moved forward and then pushed back again. Because I didn't see any official reasoning, but I'm going with, oh, we're not opening the same weekend as Spider-Man. That's a dumb decision. And you know what? It is. So... <laughs> So it doesn't open until January, which I'm fine with. So I'll go see it in January and I'll tell you all about it. Otherwise, I don't think I have anything new coming up. Yep. I didn't, I didn't see anything that caught my eye either. Um, then we did it. We made it to the end of the episode. So, uh, thanks for listening to Nobody Asked Our Opinion. You can send us an email with any and all of your opinions at nobodyaskedouropinion at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Nobody Asked Our Opinion. You can listen to us on YouTube at Nobody Asked Our Opinion Podcast. You can follow me at JoeySnow2006 and you can follow JJ at PianoMan underscore zero five. Follow our unpaid intern, Natalia, at the Third Rule Creative, uh, Miranda, the 10-Minute Recap Master, at Miranda D. Lawson, and our producer, Jonathan, at Jelly Sound. Rate us and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Tell your friends to check us out. And uh, join us on days when we release podcasts. Usually it's Thursday. Um, sometimes things happen. But um, if you subscribe, you'll never have to worry because they'll pop up on your feed. <laughs> So um, join us again next week for us to talk about new, more pop culture stuff. Maybe we'll review our year of podcasting. It's almost been a full year. Can you believe it? Holy shit, you're right. <laughs> I know. It's been crazy. Um, but until then, bye! Goodbye, 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 goodbye. <laughs> goodbye.